When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show, Redemption Thursday edition. Appreciate you being here to listen to it and or watch it or both. I'm Jeff. There's Director Matthew. There's Tom Lang. We're all here. Various capacities. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. Hope this day finds you well. I rather like the sort of the the bleakness, the darkness out there. I'm rather enjoying this. It's good. It's kind of the precursor, Tom, to uh, down the line. Like the little pullover, you know, a little pullover action, and then maybe sweatshirt action, and then maybe a fireplace moment. Maybe you're sitting outside by the fire pit with a porter. Yeah. With well, the world needs more porters. I believe that's a credo of mine yeah. from about ten, okay. eleven years ago. I think it is. Uh, when you get to fire pit season, you've really made it. That's oh, a special man, kind that's of heaven season. because that also incorporates dear friends, family, great music, and tasty beverages and late nights. The crackling of the of the of the of the brush and all that. Oh, it's good. Patient neighbors too, right? Patient neighbors for the for the fire pit situation. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we're not unreasonable. I'm uh, 52 years old, Tom. I'm not running down the street butt naked screaming or anything like that. No, but I'm not gonna howl and laugh if you tell a funny story. I'm not going to give you the courtesy <laughs> a fire right. pit level laugh. Yeah, you know, we're, yeah. We're, gonna, we're gonna chat. We're gonna have a good time. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, Redemption Thursday wagers. Flash them on the screen again real quick. They're right here in my hands. I will rapid fire these bad boys. I took FSU. I laid the 17 and a half. Laid all 17 and a half of them. Said, there you go. Get you some. More than happy to give it to you. Tennessee minus three against A&M. BYU money line to beat TCU. Wake Forest money line to beat Virginia Tech. LSU-Auburn. We're going to go a little under 61. Because I think we're going to see fewer possessions. I think that Auburn is impotent. And therefore, I don't think LSU will be able to score the 50-whatever they would need to do to see this thing go over. I think it'll be uh, a little bit lower. You see, like you like that logic there, Tommy? It went a little different than uh, what most people would look at. Yeah, I think that's a very sharpish play and not a public-ish a, play. That's so, a yeah. shrewd yeah. play is what that is. Wyoming plus 10.5. I'm a fan of Wyoming. I'm rooting for the Cowboys. Touchdown, Cowboys. There's the siren. Uh, give me Texas Tech minus a point and a half. Basically a pick em. Give me North Carolina. Lay the wood against Miami. 
further lead to greater despair. Also took the over that game, 57 and a half. And I'll take UCLA plus three and a half against Oregon State. UCLA has won me over with the defense. I've got other games, but those are the games I have here today. It's out there. I like it. And some of you were referencing at the end of the last hour, uh, these, these pivotal moments in a coaching career and these pivotal moments for a, a season or a team or a player. And I do, I like assessing these. Sometimes you can see the writings on the wall for somebody. Sometimes you can tell we're entering into a weekend that is going to see uh, somebody's career path, somebody's career tra- trajectory change. And um, I think you're getting some games like that. I, I don't know that we've arrived there just yet for Billy Napier, but I kind of feel like we're getting close, Tom. The uh, road woes at this point are something, and uh, South Carolina's not a great team. This would be a bad loss for him. Well, he's not handling it very well either. Correct. There are times when a coach is steady-handed when it seems like the world is falling around him. Mike Norvell was pointed at 0-4, but he was pointed about sticking to the plan. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's in that moment very important to see that even though you know your head coach is furious, he's not going to change what he's about. He's not going to talk about we teach two hands in that situation. He's going to talk about <laughs> if if they stick to my principles, if they stick to what we believe, I know success will be coming right behind it. And then there are other guys like Billy Napier who they take offense that they're even talking to the media on a Monday or a Tuesday. And you can feel that pressure welling up from within, and it shows outwardly as he shows his ass. Yeah, that's th- th- that's the good point here. Here's the thing: it's not so much that a guy can get perturbed by a question. You know, I I, I understand sometimes, depending on you know the media member and 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 his his or her age or whatever it might be or what their stated goal is or the outlet they work for or whatever, you might get an ass nine question. How you answer that's really important, but it's especially true, Tom, when you're losing games. When you're losing games and you have to prove that, in fact, the program is not rudderless, that you're going to be all right, it is imperative that in those moments that try your patience and that frustrate you or that you feel are unfair, you know, it's a loaded question. The very nature of the question is not, uh, fair and and you don't think you should have to answer it. You cannot come across in that situation, especially not having been successful even a little bit at your new stop. You cannot come off as indignant. You cannot come off as holier than thou, better than thou, when the questions being asked are pointed about the lack of success. You have to be stable enough to take that question, answer that question, move on to the next without sounding petty, without sounding as if your uh, you know, your feathers have been ruffled a little bit here. And he's come across not once but twice lately. Anytime a coach says, well, I'm on the inside, not a good idea. Not a good idea. You're now pitting yourself against the fan base. You're now pitting yourself against the media and the fan base. Not good, man. Not good. Let's stick yeah, with the, the pet- we. The petty thing is right because you're above all of that. That's the way you need to carry yourself. You, I'm, I'm above all of this. We're going to be fine. We're going to be steady. One of the greatest examples in coaching press conference history 
of instability and pettiness is Matt Patricia telling a reporter that he looks like a slob right. and he should dress better for his job. Matt Patricia yes. said that. Yeah, all time. A, yeah. If that doesn't tell you about the self-doubt that is being brought to the dais and not the steadiness of where, even like you said about Mario Cristobal, sometimes you might need to be a, a, just an actor in that situation. I was petrified of the moment, but I wasn't going to let my team know it. I wasn't going to let anybody else know it. I was just going to go to work and do that much more work to get us where we needed to go. When you break down and you become petty, that shows weakness. That shows that things are getting to you and things can't get to you because if they get to you and you're especially not a professional coach, if you're a college coach and you're leading 18-year-olds and 21-year-olds, if things get to you, they're going to lose their composure really fast, which is why, sidebar, that I think Mike Norvell was saying about his complaining with the officiating this past weekend, he needs to be better because if he loses his cool, then he knows his players are going to be distracted and they're going to lose their cool. I was all right with it, but I understand what you're saying. And I would also say this, and Briley, you nailed it there. Napier is also grasping at straws. That is true. Changing travel plans, focus on, quote, getting guys more and better sleep on the road. I mean, that is, yes. By the way, he mentioned... And you'll see that on Coach Speak today. I think it comes out here. It may already be out, but it'll be out tonight for sure. He doesn't make a lot of sense, actually, Tom. Napier said about kind of the, the plan to go on the road and fixing some things and analyzing everything. You know, we analyze everything we do. You know, we're when things aren't working, we're willing to take a good long look at everything we do. And, you know, for example, there'll be some changes. Uh, we're, we're really going to – Focus in on getting uh, more and better sleep on Wednesday. The game is Saturday, dude. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Wednesdays. <laughs> We're really focusing on Wednesdays this week. Yeah. We're focusing on our sleep on Wednesdays. To me, the only rational explanation is his players have a reputation for whatever bar on a Wednesday has whatever special and he's trying to send a message out there to the public that I know, I know what you're doing on a Wednesday is like what Tebow and Aaron Hernandez and Riley Cooper were doing back in the day. And you need to calm that stuff down because short of that, what the, do they have like trackers on these kids? Do they track their sleep with a, a team issued watch and they see that Wednesdays they're not sleeping well? Like well, what's going there, on? There? there is uh, a mode of tracking sleep that, players uh, are subjected to now at, at big-time programs. That does happen. Uh, just to see that uh, a player is doing the things that they're asking them to do and not partying all night. Um, that's part of the sacrifice that you have to make. But I laugh at that because at some point we are talking about college kids. And, you know, listen, a little bit of a giveaway here. I mean, the joke I make about that is, man, these kids are not real concerned about your concern of their sleep. They're concerned with having sex. And that is exactly what a player in college is thinking on a Wednesday night, if possible, while he's out and about. It's not its not something he's worried about with you tracking his sleep. Promise you. But to take that to the days and say, look, folks, you might think Saturday is the most important game day, you know, is the most important day of the week. I think Wednesday is the most important day of the week. <laughs> we, we, You know, Wednesday is a big sleep day for us, guys. We got We got to get to sleep on Wednesdays, and that's why I call it winning Wednesdays. Oh, here day. we go. Here we go. Hey, you know, it can't be lost. Dino Babers could be under the same amount of pressure, although it's not completely the same thing. The expectations of Dino Babers in Syracuse is not to play for, compete for uh, playoff appearances or conference championships. It's just to make a bowl. And uh, each of the last two years kind of looked like they were headed down that path, and then, you know, the season goes to hell. Well, they're in the midst of it now. 
And when you go through the first four games and you see uh, how good they look, and then you turn around and look at the schedule and you realize that they're playing Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State back-to-back-to-back, that'll hurt your feelings. That's a toughie. So soon you're going to have gone from a team that won four straight to a team that's going to lose three straight. And after the bye week, what do we project just for fun? Little W's and L's for Syracuse here right off the bat. Little W's and L's for you and me and Syracuse. I'm giving you their schedule. We got this weekend against Florida State. That's a giant L. You can cue it if you want. That's all right. It's fun. Doesn't know where it is. That's okay. Here you go. Bottom right. (laughs) (laughs) Bottom right. If you find it, interrupt me anytime. Doesn't matter. He's got it. He doesn't matter. So I'll pull this up. By week, Virginia Tech. Win. Nail biter, but I'll give you a win. Yep. Boston College. Mm. Win. Ooh, I don't know, Tommy. Mm. Coin flip games. These are coin flip games. Uh, okay, I'll give you a win. Pitt. Win. Win. Georgia Tech. Mm, I don't know what. See, Tech is one of those teams. I don't know what they are. They're fighting. They controlled Louisville in week one. I get it's a new system, so there's a lot of growth from week one to week two with a new head coach. They controlled Louisville for a bulk of that game. They lost to Bowling Green. And even before the Miami debacle, they hung in there with a Miami team that's way more talented than them. So all that to say, I don't know, maybe a loss? Maybe? Yeah, it's – I think the games we just went over after Florida State are – our coin flip games. They're at, that game is, by the way, I should tell everybody where they're playing. They're at Virginia Tech. That's a 7.30 at night ESPN game. Hmm. They're, they are home to Boston College. Then they're home to Pitt at Georgia Tech. I'm going to pick them to lose that Georgia Tech game, by the way. And they end, at, they end against Wake. They're going to lose to Wake. Uh, man, these are all close games. I've just been so impressed with what I've seen by the potential – of their defense, their offense hangs them out to dry, but that defense looks like it's still competing. I think this is a great chin check week for them. If you're doing Syracuse radio, you, you've been hit in the face twice. They still like to get downhill and play aggressive. I think Drake may broke them more than they didn't show up to play in Chapel Hill. So I'm interested to see how motivated they are this week. If they come out, they play hard. I think they can win. They can win any one of those games. They probably win three of them down the stretch. I'll tell you this, though, man. I wonder. Um, yeah, okay, I think it's a good point, but you're leading me to believe that you think Syracuse is going to come out and play really well Saturday. I'm starting I to get think, a sense you think this game could be a little bit of a uh, frustrating endeavor for Florida State. I think we need to show maturity on offense, and I think we need to be decisive and stop chucking the ball down the field a bunch. I think some of the things that we are weak at they are strong at it's it's a good matchup for them relative to the fact that we're still better than Syracuse you know what I mean like they're, they're they'll go against Drake May and that's a bad matchup because that dude will pick anybody apart but we don't run the ball real well on early downs they stop the run on early downs fairly well we throw the ball downfield and don't like underneath plays they want you to throw the ball downfield and and they'll give you the underneath play so there's a couple of things that we've got to do and, and show here to be able to have consistent success 
almost like a tug of war this weekend uh, between Mike Norvell and Jordan Travis. I'm going to be very curious to see what we get. Are they patient? Will they? Whether it's the run game or the intermediate pass game. Well, are they patient? So they schemed it up last year. Again, you know, it's not just that Jordan was turning down deep shots for all underneath throws. Right. But zero passes, zero went yeah. a, went beyond twenty yards down the line of scrimmage. Didn't one out him. of every Didn't one him. out of every five does now. But remember that game was an ass kicking from Jump Street. Yeah. Syracuse was overwhelmed at that point. It was just get out of dodge, don't get hurt. This game's over. They've quit. <sighs> We struggled a little bit to finish drives early on. Uh, we had a couple short circuit, but it, it never felt in danger because their offense wasn't going anywhere. It just The thing was that the way we schemed it, and it, this will be on the clips that are on the site for members of Warchant.com, but there's a lot of scheme screens and underneath mm-hmm, plays mm-hmm. and drags. They even call it a slant to Micah Pittman. I've seen it. It exists in this offense. So for those of you that say it doesn't, Everything was underneath. There wasn't a whole lot of lid lifting and clearing out. It was four or five guys underneath, and then you release Trey. Like it was, it was all about quick passes being very decisive at the line of scrimmage. If they play off, remember the Malik McLean throw? That's a that's a run call, but because they're in a 10-yard cushion, it's it's Jordan saying, All right, I'm going to you. You can make a guy miss. And he did. Same thing to Johnny on the other side, well, that, but it was yeah. all it was all predicated on something that we don't do this year. It was really offense. quite amazing, by the way, how frequently Syracuse defenders got bitched in that game. It was really quite humiliating. I mean, this is the game where guys got thrown to the ground, face palm right in the you know top of their helmet. It was embarrassing. And and that's something that this year they look better than that. They look like they're tougher. They, they've got a new defensive coordinator. It's still a three three five, but Rocky Long invented the damn thing. Right, I talked uh, about that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, so I, this is it's fascinating. There, there's a back and forth to it. I still think we should win and we should score plenty, but it's a good test because it's going to force us to do something different than that, we have to do than we've had to do. That defense is designed to allow linebackers to make a ton of plays, and it's a smart defense for them to run given their personnel because they actually have two very good linebackers. So I'll give them that, but that is an awful lot to ask of those two gentlemen. They're they're not great at corner. They're not great at safety. Uh, we know on the flip side, their their wide receivers are not any good. Uh, so this is this is there's a lot for them to overcome. Uh, yes, when when their offense is on the field and our defense is on the field, I agree with you. But this is a team. I'm not just talking about the 13 TFLs. Will Shipley ran for under four yards a carry in that game, so they did a good job on that. I just I'm interested to see what our game plan is. Is it a lot of bubble screens and perimeter stuff? Because we've been kind of Jeff Bowdenish so far. This would be more Mike Norvell. It was a very Mike Norvell-looking game plan. Well, he's got to be uh, eager to get out there and prove it. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. But they're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy. The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. 
For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. That's an interesting question here. Rodney uh, has chimed in here and asked a question on the chat. And I'm not always checking the chat, but I was during the break and I saw this pop up and I thought this is worthy of you and I to have a discussion about. Rodney writes, do you think we have too high of expectations for JT? His performance last year was great. I feel coaches have had him dial it down on his running to stay healthy, utilize the talent around him. Seems to be working, but feels that fans are down on JT because they're used to seeing the big plays and flash he gave us last year. I think that's a little unfair because we need him to finish the season healthy. He can make plays with his legs, but we don't need him to unless it is uh, necessary. Um, Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think there's a that's a mixed bag in my opinion, Rodney. You said some things that I, I do agree with, but not everything. Um, I would say that Utilizing the talent around him, part of what you noted, is uh, up and down. He hasn't always utilized the talent around him this year. He's gotten very specific uh, with a couple of guys and ignored a few others, I think, that would help create a little bit more um, balance within this offense. I agree that he has not run nearly as frequently or when he's had the opportunity to in large part because he's tried to stay healthy and he was dealing with an injury. So I think that that is fair. I would also say that the expectations of Jordan Travis grew out of his exceptional play in the back end of last year where he emerged, really not even just the back end, he started the year against LSU. He was He came out the gates and looked incredible last season in that game. He had uh, transformed from a quarterback that, 
was kind of a one-read guy that could really kill you with his legs and, if given the opportunity, could make a few throws, but not a guy that hit his back foot and came out on time and hit guys in, in stride and, you know, really uh, you know, found ways to make defenses have to defend the whole field. He emerged as that, and when he did that, it became um, a, a different realm. He became uh, a guy that was in a different realm, I should say, of quarterback. So we came into the season thinking, well, that can only get better. He's uh, bigger and stronger, and we've provided more weapons around him than he had last year, so why wouldn't that improve? I don't think it's unfair to ask that a guy take the next step forward. He was a preseason Heisman candidate. And uh, so I think the expectations were valid and fair. I don't think he's a Heisman candidate anymore. Uh, but I do think he can still be very, very good, and this team can have a special year, and it could be in large part because he plays well. So it's all still out there. Yeah, I think it's a this is a good solving for the future opportunity because Boom! How, how Mike and Jordan integrate moving forward is going to, you know, I'm not saying they have a problem. It's just that the offense clearly looks different than it did last year. It clearly has different issues than it did last year, namely the offensive line, the ability to consistently yeah, run the ball. There. Start there, yeah. And then you can also look at Jordan's injury at Boston College, which is still prohibiting him from letting it loose and turning loose a little bit. So you've got a few things there, mostly on the ground, that are influencing the entirety of the offense to where even though you feel better about your collection of receivers and pass-catching targets, it still is disjointed. So how does it all work? And I believe Rodney asked that question at the end of the interactive hour last night, and you said ask again tomorrow. Oh, so cool. We got that done. Good job, uh, Rodney. Appreciate that. This is going to be fascinating to watch because the answer is going to be novel. Like what? It, it's still an extension, I think, about the identity question. What do we want to be when push comes to shove? What Syracuse does is very different than what Virginia Tech does. Namely, they play defense and Virginia Tech does not. So what do you do with that? And with this specific set, do you look at the game plan and say, it worked last year. I know it's a different guy coaching the defense. But the three three five is the three three five. Let's let's keep everything underneath and just march down the field. I wonder if they try to do that this year because last year's game was successful for a lot of reasons. Uh, Syracuse ineptitude on offense was one of them. But Jordan ran the ball effectively last year in that game. It was more than I'm going to do it once to keep you honest. He ran the ball three or four times in that first half where you had to if you're Syracuse buy that if there is a read option that he could keep it. And I don't know that defenses are at that point right now. So you've got to run him a little bit more. You want to see if they'll use more than just the, the primary two targets. And if Johnny's out this week, then certainly they have to. There's just a lot to sort out still. Even though the running game exploded last week, there's still a lot to sort out between what the offense needs to be and what the quarterback needs to do within it. It's going to be a fun thing to watch. He's been less accurate on a lot of different types of throws this year too. And that is, uh, I think maybe the byproduct of an injury. I don't know. Maybe that's the pressure he feels. I, I'm not real sure uh, forcing the ball some into areas that he doesn't need to. These are all criticisms that I think uh, are, are fair. Uh, he hasn't been bad. I mean, I'm not telling you that he's been a bad quarterback. I just think he's capable of a lot more. In fact, we've seen him be better than he's been. So we're still waiting on it. You know, he kind of seems to be uh, emblematic of uh, the season where it's uh, the ups and downs of a, of a game where we can't seem to sustain a lot. So charting those numbers, and that's another reason why I was looking at the, the Syracuse underneath game plan. Uh, it's, it's part of the piece that's going to be on warchant.com. But you would think that they've thrown it down the field, like deep shots, way more often this year. It is more often, 
but it's only about three and a half percent, give or take. Yeah. So it's not a ton more in terms of the downfield shots that we're taking relative to last year. And that may surprise you. But what shouldn't surprise you is that Jordan's accuracy on those throws has dropped 15 percent. He hit on 45 percent of those of those deep shots last year. And now it's down to 30. Did you chart, Tom? Sorry. Did you chart the throws in the middle of the field? Down the seam? It's, it's a wash. Now, oh, if you're talking about left, right, middle, yeah. now I'd have to take a look at those numbers a little bit. But yeah. if you're just talking about depth, it's kind of a wash between... Not depth. I'm looking at middle. I want to know the frequency with which that we attack the seam. I mean, we could pull that up. I can go get it. I mean, it's just not something that, with my eyes, I'm seeing nearly as often as we did a year ago. It doesn't feel that way to me. I agree. And no, now, I totally agree with now, you. Now, I could be wrong. Sometimes we, you know absolutely have it wrong and then you look at a stat and you realize okay well you know it's just my bias but you wonder how much opens up if you can hit on those deep shots a little bit more it's 15 percent. that's a lot so what it does is it takes the yards per attempt on those throws from 16 and change down to nine yeah and you're talking about 20 yard downfield shots that changes the way a defense yeah, you gotta, plays hit on, you now, you gotta hit on those yeah now they will dare you or disrespect you as he said at clemson now they're gonna because it says that they should well, and, and that was the part, and I kind of said as much, and I'm glad Dominic Robinson just said it. It makes me feel better. He knows more than I do. But I, I, I will tell you, I thought after the game when he said that and he used the word disrespect a lot, I thought, well, Jordan, there's a reason for that, buddy. I mean, in that moment, they're challenging you to do that, telling you they don't think you can. Yeah. Uh, they they have much more fear of other aspects of what we could do than than your arm hitting the, you know, the shot down the field. And so I that – that's not disrespect. That's game planning based on tendencies and numbers, based on strengths and weaknesses. Theirs and yours. So I, I think uh, now ultimately what's cool is that you got the ultimate revenge at the end by hitting that big play and doing so in overtime at a time when you had to have it. It worked out. And that was like the ultimate team win in a sense because yep. you forced the turnover after having been kind of a bend defense all all game long, you create the turnover that changes the game and gives you the opportunity to hit the throw in overtime. So it is fascinating. There were some other aspects of that too, but it, it will be this is where it's fun to watch from this point forward. I think uh, there's a lot a lot of meat on the bone that can still be had. Let's not forget they've really not had, I don't think, the starting five on the offensive line that they've wanted. Not game in and game out. They just have not been able to have that consistently available to them. Uh, sometimes it's four of the five. Sometimes when they have the five, let's say, they're guys that are banged up. Sometimes it's, um, you know, it just hasn't been consistently right from a health standpoint. And let's hope that uh, we're closer and closer to seeing that. I do wonder if it happens that way. Do you see Bless Harris at right tackle with a, with a healthy Robert Scott back? Do you see Bless Harris at right tackle? It's Jeff Cameron Show. That was Solving for the Future. Our friends at ISF. ISF, helping state government solve the future through strategy, process, and technology, the way they've done it for countless statewide and national organizations, including the Florida Department of Health, Child Care Food Programs, Business Process Review that they did, providing a thorough business process review for the Department of Health and the Bureau of Child Care Food Programs. That's a big deal. Management Information Payment System, that's known as MIPS, and they got that thing fixed, and that addressed the need for updates to the system. ISF analyzed the business processes, the Bureau, 
and recommended ways to improve it. It happened. They became more efficient. Everybody got their money in a timely fashion. Kids could eat. It's a good thing. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, guys. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because, I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick, and easy to remember, so I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. And I will tell you this, too. It is um, a simple, effective investment for your health. You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash jcs. Again, that's go to uh, – all you got to do is go to uh, – drinkag1.com slash jcs that's drinkag1.com slash jcs check it out it's delicious it's quick it's easy it's proven vitamins probiotics whole food source nutrients start your day with it you'll feel better i promise the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. And oh, by the way, I didn't forget about you either, Director Matthew. I would ask you this question because it's fun. What do you think? I don't know if you went back and timed it. The first Bryce Harper home run last night, how many seconds did he stand at home before taking his first step to first base? Four? Did you count it? Well, you should have because it's funny. I've watched it six times since then. I've watched every I've watched that replay a ton just because I can't stop. Um there's something about and by the way, this could be Tub Talk, and I should note something special going on right now regarding Tub Talk. Uh this is important, and I mean this because it affects you and your ability to get a hot tub if you've been thinking about it. An urgent alert is what they told me, and I'll look at it and tell you this. This is a can't-miss deal. So if you have been thinking about it, go do it. You're not going to do better than this. Pinch of Penny Pools and Spas, um, well, an opportunity to put a brand-new hot spring spa in your yard and make your uh, hot tub dreams, as they say, come true. From October the 13th, that's tomorrow, through October the 23rd, all hot spring spas will be available for 0% interest financing for 60 months. That is, you're not going to do better than that. I don't know how you could. I don't know how you could. 0% interest financing for 60 months. So it's a 10-day sale. They're incentivizing, obviously. For 10 days only, an opportunity at Pinch of Penny Pools and Spas on Greer Road. Walk in, say, I want that tub you're paying 0% interest for 60 months. Five years of you just being like, yep, same as cash. Good to go. Here you go. Here's a here's a few bucks. Give me that big-ass hot tub. They have over 50 of them in stock right now. 
It's a 12,000 square foot showroom. I've actually been in it. I never thought I would. I never used to think that that was a thing I was interested in. But then I went over there and then also they were like, hey, come on over here. We want to show you what we're talking about. It's pretty cool. It is. It's cool. So you got a 10-day window here, guys, in which you can get a brand new big old hot tub. They'll deliver it. They'll install it. They'll do all that. Zero down, 0% interest, 60 uh, months. That, that's insane, 60 months. So you know, that, this is a weird tub talk. But I want to I want to go back to this for a second, uh, which is what I was talking about with Bryce Harper. He's easily, um, I think, hateable. I think I think you would admit that, right? You're a Phillies fan, but you would admit that, that he he can be tough. But that said, I have a thing about guys that are tabbed at an early age to be uh, the next great whatever. If they do it. Above and beyond the numbers, I respect the hell out of it. Can you imagine the pressure that comes with being on the front cover of Sports Illustrated at the age of 16? That's Bryce Harper. Front cover at the age of 16. He was the first overall pick. And he kind of ran against uh, a lot of the traditionalist thoughts of uh, the way you should play the game. But he's won two MVPs, and he signed a massive, in fact, at the time, biggest contract ever. And at the time that he signed the contract with the Phillies, he said to the city of Philadelphia, we will win a World Series while I'm here. They have. And he hit the Grand Slam walk-off against the Cubs. He mashed through the 2022 playoffs despite a destroyed elbow. Home run against the Padres that everybody will remember forevermore for Philadelphia. That's still a thing, right? You think about it all the time. And then it happened again last night on the biggest of stages on the heels of Orlando Arcia making fun of him and not getting out. Arcia later lamenting that he wasn't supposed to hear it. Well, hey, man, try not saying that in front of the press that's standing there. Wait till they're not there, like in the first 10 minutes or well after they've left. But it's one thing to hear it, to be mocked, and to know that you're the focus of said mockery, and then to come into a game that, you know, is fairly pivotal, and to hit a ball that far. Now, I will say, Bryce Elder throwing 83 over the heart with a slider that I might have hit hard, really hard, did make it easy. Come on, Bryce. That ain't going to get it done. But... You know, my man hit that thing into the second deck and stood there for a good five seconds to suck it. And if he's your player, like if he's if he's an Atlanta Brave or a Pittsburgh Pirate or whatever and he does that, you're like, yeah, man, that's my dog. That's my guy. That's the kind of revenge you want to see. But he does it not once but twice. It's impressive. I thought it was very, very impressive, and I'm still laughing about the fact that he did it. And I don't know. I've said this before. Whether you like him, hate him, it doesn't matter. I'm just pointing out, anybody that has donned the 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 next great thing and actually does it deserves a little extra credit in my book. See LeBron, see Tiger Woods. Tommy? Yeah, I agree. I would say that he is perfect for Philadelphia, too, personality-wise. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> If he was doing this in still in the Nationals organization, it wouldn't hit the same as if it was Philly 
and those people in Philly are going nuts for a jerk like that. Now, I'm not. That's not a haters thing. I, it's a perfect fit. I like when players match the the city or, or also or, or embrace state. it. Also yeah. embrace it. Like he's embraced it completely. He knows yeah. that nobody else outside of Philadelphia likes him and doesn't care. I'm cool with that. We're always wanting guys to embrace being a heel, especially yeah. if that's kind of naturally who they are. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to be California cool, then go play for the Rams. You know what I mean? At this point, go play for them. Go play for the Chargers. I like if the Texas team is a little rough. They got a little they got a little something to them. It's like a Northeast team mm-hmm. in college football. They don't have a lot of stars, but boy, do they run the ball hard. That's why everybody loved Shiano with Ray Rice back in the day. That wasn't about the quarterback. It was about Ray Rice and being physical. It's it is refreshing. Because there's immense pressure that comes with taking on that burden and getting out in front of it and saying, yeah, I know, here you go, I'm going to do this. And then to do it, it's really rare. It is really rare. So I did some research on the question you asked during uh, Solving for the Future. I want to clarify the question because some in the chat have attempted to answer it as well. I'm not talking about completion percentages. I'm talking about frequency with which that area of the field is targeted. Correct. And I used that implication that inference from you we're actually using the middle of the field more wow at the at the short and short. intermediate level okay so zero to nine yards 10 to 19 yards uh I actually put it in your inbox too. yeah so it's the big plays down the seam that we're not hitting at the same rate not even close to the same rate that we did a year ago that would make sense that's why my eyes are telling me we're not seeing yep. enough of those plays. The, the the short underneath stuff, we are hitting at a greater rate, to your point, and thank you for doing that research. You are correct, and I'll allow you to say what it is in just a moment. But the down-the-field big plays, of which we had a ton a year ago, in fact, over 40%, uh, you're just not seeing this year. Uh, it's down at 30%. There's been nine of them in total. Nine. Also, I see in the chat that, uh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say Ray Russ and physical in the same sentence. Sorry about that. I'd, I'd forgotten about that whole chapter of his life. Get your hands um, up. Yeah. So looking at the receiving grades, though, <laughs> I know that Director Matthew loves that. I'm looking at the receiving grades page for the targets. I think this is what our complaint is more about than the, the section of the field, the third of the field. Right. The target breakdown so far this season is Johnny with 36. Keon with 33, Jaheim with 16, mm-hmm. Lawrence Toafili with 12, mm-hmm. and Kyle Morlock with 11. Those are the only guys with 10 or more targets on the team, and there are only two guys with 30 or more targets. Like, the gulf between two and three is 33 and 16. So it's about the players that we're targeting, I think, that the, that the issue is with. Yeah, the Yanks, yes. I mean, Destin Hill is, is a playmaker, is a star in the making, and he's not targeted but, what, twice? Well, and that's – did you say Destin? Mm-hmm. Three uh, times? Four targets. Okay, four. Four, four measly-ass targets. Yeah. Four for him, four for the departed Winston Wright, four for Darion. <laughs> he sounds yeah. like he's dead. <laughs> well, to the program he is. <laughs> but it's it's about the players, I think, at that point. I mean, that's, that's 69 nice targets between your top two guys. Your next five don't even sniff that. You know, that's that's what it's about. So yeah. if it's about it, Johnny sits this week, maybe you see where the variety goes and, and if that changes a little bit. I hope so. I think they got to work more of these guys, and they have a lot of dynamic players. I, I think that's the part of it that uh, is a little frustrating. It doesn't seem as balanced in that sense, and that's maybe what we mean when we mean balance, not just where on the field, but also number of players too. 
And that yeah, would, like if you, if you told me that Johnny and Keon have 36 and 33 targets, I would have guessed Jaheim has 25, not 16, you know? Well, and he largely missed this last game, so yeah, yeah that, that hurts. Um, I think we're still waiting to unlock Destin Hill. I think everybody's kind of like, hey, let's get to let's get to Destin Hill. When you watch, and I think that's true of the media, especially by the way, because when we see him, we see a guy who's potentially really, really good, uh, and and could really change games. So there, there's that. And the catch he made last week wasn't about speed and making a guy miss on a slant. It was about ball skills and going up and getting it. You'd like to see what he looks like. If in a bubble look like they did a lot last year against Syracuse, if you get him out there in that situation and you have a couple of blockers that you like in front of him, what can he do in that moment? Mm. And and I think it's also the concept. You know, a lot of these passes that are completed over the middle, think about Johnny catches over the middle. It, it might be a post every once in a while, like the way we started the second half against Clemson, but that's deep shot. It's a lot of in-breaking routes that take a while. It, it's not those quick hitters. And maybe, again, Syracuse last year, forced Jordan into throwing a lot of passes almost immediately at the snap because that's the read and that's where the ball goes. Is that going to be the same way this year, or are we going to sit back there and wait for something to develop deep? We'll see. I agree, Briley. I think we'll see a lot of bubble with Syracuse playing off this week. It will be interesting to see if they uh, are able to successfully block it up out there. you got to have a willingness. Hakeem Williams could have himself a day out there blocking, Tom. I mean a day, right? I would think that he... This could be a good day for him, especially if Johnny Wilson doesn't play. Uh, agreed. I think the, the chances are there for Hakeem. Uh, if Kentron is at full strength, he might slide right up that depth chart, which might frustrate a couple of guys. Uh, but th- there's definitely a chance. Again, in the bubble game, the way they space it, if you're on one of the hash marks, they'll play close on that near side, but then they'll give you a cushion on the far side of the field. They look a little bit under under uh, Rocky Long, they look a little bit closer than they were last year. I mean, you watch some of those Syracuse clips. Like the Malik touchdown, he might have 12, 15 yards of cushion you know, before the yeah, snap. And Jordan's yeah. like, what are you doing? I don't yeah. even know that that was a thing. Jordan might have looked at Malik and just said, hey, that's ridiculous. you got to get the ball. But we'll see what the choices are. If, if we get through two or three drives and you don't have a lot of those instant decisions, get the ball out plays, it could be interesting to see what, what – develops as the 60 minutes go. I want to answer this question. There's only one probable for tonight, so I'm going to quickly answer this. Uh, Cody asks, what kind of injuries are we talking about for the offensive line? Well, how about your starting left tackle not playing for much of the season? I mean, that that Robert Scott being out for the entirety of the uh, of the season has been a problem. I mean, he's played, but rather infrequently, and uh, that, that'll change your offensive line pretty quickly when the guy you tapped to start and who did all of last year is not uh, playing. I think from there, they've taken turns. I mean, Mo has missed time at center, and that's caused problems too, and he's not been even close to 100%. Uh, you know, I think I think the one guy that probably we overstated, I guess if you want to call it that, as having a bigger impact on the season than he's had is Jeremiah Byers. He transferred from UTEP. We thought Jeremiah Byers would be a lot better. Uh, I think we've assessed everybody else pretty well. I will tell you, Meech has taken a step back. I don't think he's playing as well as he did a year ago. Uh, so those are your problems along the offensive line, but you've kind of mixed and matched a bunch of different lines that you didn't project to be your starting unit. Uh, I'd like to see the five that they were looking to have out there out there together with a degree of consistency, and I think you'll see some things improve. Will they be a juggernaut offensive line? Nope. Nope. Probably did overstate how good they could be. Uh, thought some of those transfers would be better. Um 
Roddick included. So, you know, we just haven't seen that. But uh, health has been a big part of it. It's wild to think that with all of the guys they brought in over the years and the transfers, that your three most important offensive linemen are Maurice Smith, Darius Washington, and Robert Scott, the same guys who have been here since 1974. Yep. Power Mill and uh, Power Mill Training Academy powering today's Probables. PowerMillSports.com to learn more about it. Equipping motivating athletes focused on baseball and softball with the specific tools to reach their true potential. Go ahead, good sir. It's time for how you say with the pitching uh, probables this won't take long that's it that's all spencer strider with the brave season on the line against ranger suarez of the phillies that will be an 807 first pitch tonight phillies looking to close it out as they did a year ago with a similar series having that even up winning the next two in philadelphia Calling it a day, ending a 100-win season for the Braves. Baseball is cruel. I noted it already, but uh, it could very well be on its way. kind of feels like it's going to happen, doesn't it? So look at those that shall reside on the bump. In the final 30 seconds, I'll say good job to you, Tom Wang. Great job to you, Director Matthew, and we appreciate all of you. Don't forget, tonight on War Chant TV, it's a little wake-up War Chant action. Aslan and Corey get together. Should be a lot of fun. Tomorrow, we got a Libations Friday edition of the show, followed by a little happy hour at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. You guys have a great night. Enjoy the football and the baseball. Peace!